Hey guys, well in this episode we talked a ton about stress adaptation, the role of DHEA cortisol, uh, what it means to show up in a relationship and expect your partner to be a certain way and how we like meet challenges with that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, we also talked about that stress isn't all bad and it's something that's temporary, it's a temporary state and how can we navigate that in a relationship when in the moment everything feels so fired up. Yeah, so it's the full gamut of understanding the stress hormones themselves all the way to relationship dynamics being stuck in or out of anxiety or depression and what are some ways to navigate through all of these challenges right Mm -hmm. and our love for cartoons because we talk about puss in boots inside out all the things yeah so many life lessons so many life lessons so one of the things i think that we've all really recognized over you know maybe our own life or over the past few years is that community is so important Mm -hmm. and having a safe space to really reflect Mm -hmm. on what's important and obviously with regards to your health but also just other aspects to life Mm -hmm. yeah we've had different conversations with different guests um, even our own patients and each other about that safety piece that without safety healing actually can't occur and that this is what we love about some of the groups that we've created especially our health ignited club where we come together and create a safe space so everyone can heal together grow together learn together and really understand what's important as a collective so that we can also work on what's important as an individual yeah and it's interesting because i think there's so much information in the world right Mm -hmm. and it's easy to get lost and there's all the like the how to how do you how to solve this problem how to you know, how to work on this aspect of your lifestyle. And what, what Sonia and I do is we've got you know, a wide range of different mentors and, and, and including, you know, the podcast guests that we've got a chance to connect with. And so we, we get a chance to filter information as we all do down into our own unique parts in a way to articulate that into, into your unique lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And we, so we found great value in being in, you know, mastermind groups and collaboration and learning from other people. And so the whole goal of our Help Ignited Club is to bring all of that wisdom into into these communities. Mm -hmm. So we'd love for you to join that community. There's already amazing individuals in there so we can support each other, because really, if we become more aligned with ourselves, that's when we're going to make change in our own life and everybody else's. Yeah. So uh, if you find out more, go to drsjensen.com and you can learn more about the Health Ignited Club there. Welcome to the Health Ignited Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Nick and Sonia Jensen. We are partners, parents, business partners, doctors, yoga teachers, and retreat leaders. We promise to bring you real conversations to awaken and ignite your potential to live your best life possible. Join us each week as we dive into topics varying from brain health, biohacking, hormones, and longevity, to relationships, parenting, meditation, and more. Together, creating community and building stronger foundations for the generations to come. I gotta say, I'm loving the chance to connect with you in this kind of way. Mm-hmm. It's been really nice. Um, so today we're going to be talking again a little bit more about the brain and the hormonal system, but we really wanted to help people understand the role of DHEA and sort of the adrenal system and what does DHEA mean and its relationship to cortisol, how we perceive and relate to stress, how we recover from stressful events, mm-hmm. um, why we may not recover very well at all and you know, sort of like jump into conversation just around stress and some of these hormones of stress and how that may be showing up as a problem in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's everything because that stress that we feel, 
will invoke an emotion and then that emotion is where we react from and then that will challenge a situation or remedy a situation. And so if we don't understand that link, that we're maybe stuck in a state of stress all the time, that's then influencing how we see ourselves, how we see our partner, and how we're relating to our children, then we're not going to be able to actually take our power back and control the mind, which is playing out all these scenarios that are, that's creating even more stress. So there's stuff happening in our physiology, it's happening in our emotional body, our mental body, and then it impacts the relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think when we live there, it's so hard to make proper connection with somebody. Yeah. Because that's just the lens through which we look. And so mm-hmm. being stuck in that stress-dominated you know, personality or experience is really how we see everything, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and when you're in it, you don't know you're in it either. Right. If it's always been your mode of operation, you don't actually know that you are reacting under a state of stress or you're stuck in a state of survival because that's all you've known. You don't know anything different from that. Mm-hmm. So we watched a movie yesterday. Yeah. So cute. It was Puss in Boots. Oh, yes. Yeah. And uh, it's part of, like, it was such a really great metaphor for perception, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, there's three main characters. I mean, there's a lot of characters that got a chance to look at this map. And this map really, it, it sort of highlighted the insecurities. The fears. The fears, like yeah. the big life worries. It, it highlighted on this map. And so each individual in the story, when they looked at the map, the map would change. Yes. And it was such an amazing metaphor for, for life in that you could put or, you know, plug someone into any situation and you're going to get, like, say you pluck 100 people into a, a one experience, they're all going to see that experience completely different. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that so much correlates to the hormonal system. But maybe break down some of that, like what you really appreciate about that metaphor. Yeah, well, we'll give a specific example of one of the characters, not to spoil the movie for anyone, but the little dog, he was like the, the positive mind. Yeah. You can really see that, that everything was from a lens of like how this is working for me, and this is so great, I got this out of this challenging situation. And so he was sharing his story of his old litter that, you know, really picked on him. And one day they did a funny thing where they put a sock. They're playing hide and seek. <laughs> they play hide and seek. He could never find them, but then he'd find them. Or, But the last part of it, he was talking about how they stuffed him in a sock and they put a rock in it, I think, and <laughs> threw him in the river. And he just thought it was so hilarious that he, like, bit through it and he got a sweater out of it, whereas <laughs> they, they couldn't find him because they were playing hide and seek and he won. So he's telling this story to the other characters and they're just like, oh my goodness. Like he's not even seeing what they did to him, but instead he's seeing what he gained from the situation. And so, so many of us operate either from that positive mind of seeing like everything's amazing and everything's working for me. And then some of us are stuck in the negative mind, which is more protective and more vigilant and really looking out for the mistrust rather than the trust. And then there's some very rare, that operate from the neutral, which is usually individuals that are spending lots of time meditating. Um, They're probably monks that are really studying the art of being present. But we're all often stuck either in one or the other instead of gathering information from the two to make that neutral decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, one aspect we were were watching that, especially this little positive dog, um, he's so cute, right? And one could look at that and go like, well, he's so disconnected from his trauma. Right. So, but that's not really what I got from it, you Mm -hmm. know? 
because the story is so unique and that like he wasn't even aware that there was it's like it wasn't on his reference range that there was anything bad in the world like which was like what a beautiful place to be from like he literally found the rainbow in the chaos Mm -hmm. and so i mean this is like there's so many conversations we could have just around that one theme but Mm -hmm. um there is a, a crutch that that can be leaned on when we just look at look for the positivity, and that's a like right. his character I resonate with a little bit because I'm usually someone who does look for rainbows, mm-hmm. um, and I also know that that really creates some distance, and not letting me be as vulnerable as I could be because I didn't want to go towards the pain. Mm-hmm. But this doggy, it's like I mean he had a completely different experience of that altogether, but. Just to round out the rest of the story, there was other characters that when they looked at this map, they saw the worst of the worst, their worst yeah. fears coming alive, and they would have to go through these treacherous, you know, pathways to get to, you know, the, the, the final outcome, mm-hmm. like the, the star where they get to make their wish. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, how fascinating was it to see just every um, character that, that when, when they experienced a portion of this map, they got to they they were living out a, a deep pain or or a potential desire mm-hmm. that they had anyways there's so much amazing so many content. lessons in that movie <laughs> yes and then like the pivoting aspect too when he had, they had to go through those flowers that were yeah that they would have the pocket other, full of posies the pocket full of posies and he found a way well if you just smell them they move out of your way and they actually support you whereas yeah. the other characters were chopping them down and they were running away from and then them every and, time they chop them down like two or three more would grow mm-hmm. back and and look like they were going to attack them yeah but the the line was you got to stop and smell the roses yeah right yeah and like what we what we put out or the fears that we have show themselves to us or we start attracting the same scenario to validate the belief that we have about a situation or the belief that we have about a certain stress or state will get validated with our experiences because of the lens that we're wearing at that time too yeah in that Um, lens like to relate back to hormones, it is a part of the hormonal system. Mm-hmm. So how we're seeing something is we're going to get that adaptation or that identical match hormonally so that how we're perceiving the situation, our hormones are rising to that particular occasion yep. to serve us for that way that we're seeing things. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't that so crazy? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the absolute um, brilliance of the body to be able to do that so that our brain is going to send that message of perception to the body, to our physiology, to wake up and send out a hormonal message to respond to how we're seeing things. So that, you know, and often in cases like this, where one one might see a monster, the other one sees this rose that just needs attention, like just needs to be smelt. Mm-hmm. And the the hormonal profile from that one individual to the next, one is stuck in absolute fear and chaos and ready to attack or to run or like that freeze, freeze fight, flight or f- flee where the dog is just like he's just His testosterone's amazing <laughs> his estrogen's doing what it needs to do yeah. his dhea is perfect yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. so what a, what a great like metaphor to like discuss stress yeah. and perception yeah right yeah so when we're in that survival zone like you were talking about the fight why can't flight, I, yeah, freeze. fight, flight, freeze. Why I, is this a tongue I, twister right I now? I <laughs> When we're stuck in that, we're stuck in this high state of cortisol. Yeah. And going back to our conversation last week, we didn't bring this up um, around the brain. Mm-hmm. So the female brain actually has an easier time with a chronic state 
whereas the male brain is more set up for an acute state mm. of stress. Not that females should be in a chronic state, but there's different ways that we can navigate it, which is different for men and women. And so if we're stuck in cortisol, I'll speak from a female perspective, what that means... So cortisol, like maybe... What is cortisol? Cortisol, so our stress hormone. So when we're under stress, the body will release cortisol so that we can combat that stress. So this cortisol is released from our adrenals so that so we can support... blood pressure, mm -hmm. like dilates... Dilates the pupils, yeah, it kind of gets response, us... Yeah, so it shows. works alongside adrenaline. Yeah. So that initial response is adrenaline and then cortisol comes in yeah. as more of that chronic um, stress state. And it's also part of our circadian rhythm. So it's the energy that gets us out of bed in the morning and it needs to decline in the evening so that melatonin can rise, which is our sleep hormone. So it's part of our rhythm throughout the day. So it's a hormone that we need in certain spurts of our moments. But when it's stuck in a state of, um, when it's really high, for women, it's going to lower your progesterone. And progesterone is a hormone that makes you feel at ease. It's anti-anxiety, it's anti-inflammatory, it regulates our periods. Um, for menopausal women, it regulates your nervous system. So when that's... It helps the brain too, right? It helps the brain, it's anti-inflammatory in the brain, it helps to absorb GABA in the brain. So when that's low, chronically, we're going to have symptoms like the hot flashes, the night sweats, the fibroids, the weight gain, brain fog. the anxiety, the brain fog, like all of these things start to show up. Irritability towards a partner. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so all these things start to show up because we're stuck in this state and yeah. the body's constantly pushing that progesterone into cortisol. Mm -hmm. Well, isn't it fascinating too, like, I mean, it's important to differentiate the polarity of cortisol. It's not bad, it's mm -hmm. not... And in fact, it's actually probably more good than it's actually bad. It's just a, it's a matter of how the pro, how prolonged it is, you know, winning the the the, the hormonal expression. Yeah, well, right? it's responding to your environment. So mm -hmm. if your environment internally is one where there is fear, there's emotions that are carrying out this like state of survival and anger and all, you know, like some of these kinds of emotions. All it needs, all it knows to do is to rise so that it can support you. Mm -hmm. So it's not the cause of the problem, it's a result of how we're living and how we're eating, how we're breathing, how we're um, managing our emotions as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I mean, another one that, that we didn't bring up was like cortisol's role in sort of suppressing immune response, right? Mm -hmm. Like the, the heavy steroid prednisone, they, they give that often for, you know, uh, autoimmune to asthma, asthma mm -hmm. to very aggressive inflammatory situations inside the body even some transplant um, you know anti-rejection stuff because they're trying to shut down the immune response and and it's also managing inflammation too so that it, it plays some critical roles and it gets overexpressed for elongated periods of time and in some cases it burns out mm -hmm. so there's this opposing hormone, DHEA, right? So let's talk a little bit about how that correlates to this stress hormone. Mm -hmm. Well, it's called, called anti-aging hormone because it, it has an inverse relationship. So if cortisol goes up, DHEA goes down. If cortisol is nice and low, DHEA will be high. And this DHEA can turn into your estrogen or your testosterone, which we've talked about before are really important hormones for both males and females. Mm -hmm. And so DHEA, you have the four M's that you like to talk about. Yeah, mind, mood, memory, mm -hmm. metabolism. 
Yeah, so yeah. it's controlling that whole aspect of your body and your system. So if cortisol is always high, you're always under a state of stress, you're con constantly depleting that DHEA, so then it's going to impact the mind and the memory. And the Mood and <laughs> metabolism. Mood and metabolism. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, aren't all of those things things that tend to, you know, deteriorate as we age, right? Right. Like they, they just do. Like, I mean, you, you compound, like compound interest, you compound stress, and we constantly take from tomorrow to use for today. That's sort of like the way that I look at DHEA. We're constantly asking to pay off that interest, that debt with our DHEA. And when it depletes to such a degree, our ability to, you know, be resilient and overcome, you know, a stressful or strenuous exercise to a challenging argument to the lack of circadian balance or lack of good sleep, you know, DHA is really there as a, as a resiliency hormone. That's the way I see mm -hmm. it. It's our ability to bounce back. And for so many people, this chronic state of perceptive perceiving stress but also physical stress and harm and whatnot um, DHA definitely drops mm -hmm. and, and our ability to resolve that inflammation that challenge is really depleted mm -hmm. so you said perceived stress um, what about anticipatory stress do you feel like it's the same reaction in the body well I think it's probably slightly different you know neurochemistry but I think it's very similar. I mean, perceived stress is, is thinking that something bad is going to happen or, or the thing that we're experiencing right now is perceived to be bad and so therefore our hormones are going to adapt to that perception of how we're experiencing things. But as you said, like anticipatory, that would be something like some future unknown event that we have yet mm -hmm. to experience that we just perpetually engage in that, that thinking around yeah. it. Well, that's the, the ruminating. And right. I know I'm guilty of this, of having a conversation with someone in my mind over and over again that hasn't happened yet, that may happen or may not even happen. Mm -hmm. And then you're playing that out, but then your body is reacting as if you're in yeah. that conversation. And if that internal dialogue is challenging in your brain or your mind, and then the body and the physiology will re react that same way, it'll give you the cortisol to help you in that moment mm -hmm. so that anticipatory stress i mean for me it's also when i'm giving talks for example mm -hmm. months before all of a sudden i'm on stage and feeling stressed out and i know i'm doing this to my body i know i'm creating this stress and i have to work really hard at like unwiring that um, imprinted stress because obviously it's from a past experience of my own or mm -hmm. that fear of speaking and all these things that show up, but those beliefs then frame the present moment, even though the future moment hasn't even happened. Yeah, I mean, it's two things I want to ask you. One is like, there's this dance between anxiety or anticipation mm -hmm. and then depression. But there's also, I want to ask you what the physical manifestations of this anticipatory stress that you feel, where, which essentially is that high cortisol depleting levels of DHEA. Mm -hmm. But like, what are all the symptoms? Like GI, like brain, sleep, like sort of walk us through what that, that stress could look like. You know mine, that's why you're bringing it up. <laughs> well, I think, of course. <laughs> mine is GI. Let's get yeah, yeah, that's very specific. But even months before, I find a really hard time to be present. So it takes mm -hmm. you out of your present moment sure. because you're already in the future, in the future yeah. thinking about what's going to happen. And so it takes you out of the present moment. It creates brain fog because of that. It also will yeah, shift your gut health and your GI, that anxiety feeling in the, in the belly. It's going to change how you metabolize food. You're not going to be able to digest food because you're having 
a challenging time digesting life in that moment too. So it changes your whole physiology because you're thinking about a stress that's going to come. Yeah, think about how many people actually stuck there without even all the time recognizing it. Yeah. Yeah, like you wake up in the morning and you're thinking about okay, making lunches for your kids or the schedule for the week or there's a deadline at work or it could be anything, a conversation you have to have with your partner or taxes coming up in a couple of months. All of these things will create the same yeah, impact. You're very stressed right now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> listing it all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so mm -hmm. that's anticipatory stress. Mm -hmm. That's how like it manifests in your body. But it would be very like, that would probably be very similar for a lot of people. And what's interesting, I think, bringing this up is that how many people come to see us for GI health, for brain fog, for like overwhelm and anxiety and fatigue and like all the things, right? Mm. And it just kind of goes back to the same hormonal imbalance because we're pressing the gas pedal for cortisol and we're not building up that reserve of DHEA, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so how do we do that? Yeah, well, the, the next, let's, let's get there. But the, the next thing I want to ask you about was just, Okay, but there's you explain the hormonal picture for uh, high cortisol, lower DHEA, and more of this anticipatory, like prolonged perceived stress. What's depression in mm -hmm. in that sort of you know mind chronic stress state mm -hmm. and DHEA? Like what's happening there? Well, I'll speak to it from like the mind stage. So we've talked about the positive mind being the one that looks at the rainbows, and the negative mind is very vigilant. So when you're vigilant and you're trying to protect yourself and that's the lens through which you see everything, how that's feeding the hormones is that it's actually creating a sense of depletion too because of that state of stress that that's creating. So your dopamine is probably lower. Yeah, your cortisol is probably low too, right? Cortisol is low because now you're actually in a state of burnout. Your serotonin is probably lower as well because of that burnout state. So all of these neurotransmitters, these hormones are speaking to one another, but when there's the state of depletion, that's usually what depression will feel like. Um, and then when cortisol is high, your sex hormones are low. So testosterone and estrogen and progesterone are all feeding the brain. They're increasing mm -hmm. circulation. They're creating this um, opportunity for GABA, serotonin, dopamine, and all of these neurotransmitters that help us feel good rise. But when we're in that state of chronic stress and we move from that like high state to that low, more burnt out state, that's usually where depression shows up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So the, I mean, the hormonal system can definitely swing from one to the next. And we know even just uh, like clinically, when we're mapping someone's brain, we can see electrically where is the brain getting the most attention and where is it stuck in a sleep state versus where is it more activated. But like even looking at the balance of anxiety, depression, it's literally looking like, like you said, sort of how much fuel do you have in the tank. Mm -hmm. And so if the brain is depleted or it's stuck in that sleep state, um, you're going to be more stuck in that state of you know, de depression versus like that anticipatory stress and perceived stress and, you know, mindset and how we're seeing the world and all of that can be more of that sort of cortisol dominant. And this is also why I think people can also swing back and forth mm -hmm. because there's so much dysregulation going on and there's so such a disconnect from solving the actual issue at its core uh, mm -hmm. versus like constantly just dealing with the symptomatic yeah. reality. And then when we look at those two as well, anxiety is usually when we're stuck in the future mm -hmm. and depression is usually when we're stuck in the past. So again, that solution shows up in that neutral mind again and staying 
present in this moment so that we're not playing out the scenarios of what happened or what didn't happen, what could have happened to like what may happen mm -hmm. in the future. So again, it goes back to that, like how do we center that cortisol and adrenaline is to come back to right now. Yeah. So let's, let's bring that whole picture into a relationship. Mm -hmm. So there's this whole hormonal dynamic that's happening as a result of, you know, our lifestyle choices to, you know, our past history, to our trauma, to the perceived stresses or what have you. And then, and then we're in a relationship. Someone else is going through the exact same, you know, their own exact same perfect storm of experiences. And so much challenge can show up in a relationship because we just don't know where each other are at, hormonally speaking. And why can't we connect with our partner? Like, mm -hmm. you know, what, what needs to happen or what's going on in those kinds of situations? Mm -hmm. I think first understanding um, what stage maybe your partner is in, in terms of are they in that more anticipatory anxiety state? Do they stay here more often? Mm -hmm. Are they in more of that burnout state and do they stay here? And what does that look like? Because sometimes burnout can look like somebody withdrawing and anxiety can look more like um, neediness maybe neediness or being triggered and irritable and whatnot mm -hmm. so asking the other person not what's wrong with you <laughs> very important very important in your wording that. you don't ask what's wrong with you how can I support you mm -hmm. where do you feel like you're at right now mm. what's no not even what's going on I don't even like that one what's the best way I can support you yeah. Where's your cortisol at? Can you say, is everything okay? No. No, you can't even say that. No. Because of course How everything is you? not okay. <laughs> because I'm either over here or over here. Right. So everything is not okay. So mm -hmm. that's, that's a given. You could also just do the silent hug. Yes. Could you? Or do you think yeah. if someone's in anticipatory stress or they're kind of like, oh, like, they're buzzing too much, like get away from me? Or do you think that would actually help to be bringing that neutral presence? I'll speak from for me mm -hmm. I think it would help in that state the other state I think I would need help coming out of it right so you need a pep talk over there don't need a pep talk <laughs> you don't need a mansplaining I don't need mansplaining don't need a pep talk and you'd be like hey do you want to go for a walk mm. yeah so that's sort of a, a slight distraction not even like connecting to nature yeah right so knowing your partner knowing what fuels them and what feeds them what brings them joy so maybe in that moment, if you see them um, in that pain, or maybe you can see them kind of um, spiraling mm -hmm. towards that, it could be that moment of like, hey, let's do this to support them mm -hmm. so that um, it's not necessarily a distraction, but it can actually create an opportunity for conversation and connection. Yeah, I love that because it's kind of like seeing someone in a depleted state is like they need energy. Mm -hmm. So without saying, hey, get your butt off the couch, yeah. let's do something. It's like, hey, I, I plan... A plan for us to like take a little time to go outside, go for a walk, um, maybe see a, a, the movie, or like plan a, maybe like a, a date opportunity. Or here's a cup of tea. Here's a cup of tea. Yeah, yeah. like something that would feed and, and build, mm -hmm. like fill their cup. Nourishment. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, whereas the other one is like, how do I support them just recalibrating out mm -hmm. of that buzzy state? Mm -hmm. and, and maybe a hug is good there. A cup mm -hmm. of tea. I mean, could cup work tea, on could work on either sides, end anywhere. <laughs> That's yeah. important because in relationship, I think when we, we, we see the other person is going through a challenge, again, speaking from a male brain, it's like, well, I don't like it when they're behaving like that. 
um, how do I get them back to like where I like where, where they're behaving? You feel exactly. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting that mm -hmm. we think that mm -hmm. they're making me feel uncomfortable right now because <laughs> they're like misbehaving and how they're supposed to be. I want to get them back to here where I feel like I can connect. I can connect with someone over there. Like, let's talk about that dynamic because I think it's really interesting, especially like with this overarching lens of the hormonal imbalance and whatnot. But we have a preference for how we want the other person to be. Uh, you've taught me this so well, um, and we could relay it back to another cartoon, which is Inside Out, and appreciating these different emotional states. But we generally dislike it when our partner is not where we want them to be. Let's yeah. talk about that problem. Well, because like, we might be at a certain vibe, right? Yeah. And <laughs> like, just come off a retreat, I'm feeling yeah, like feeling really love, good, I'm feeling, feeling it all. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, and then you go home and your partner's overwhelmed because they've been doing the everyday things, taking care of the kids, working, and yeah. all of that. But this can happen even just with work too, right? You That's can be right. away at work and mm -hmm. just like live in the dream. Right. And you come home. Yeah, and it's a different state. Oh. Yeah. yeah, so then how do you, these two individuals help support each other in these different states? So I think the first thing is the pause, recognizing that just because I'm feeling this way, it doesn't mean that they are, and they are not responsible for my state. Mm -hmm. So that self-responsibility. So if you show up in your home and your partner's overwhelmed from all the day's stuff and activities and everything, and you're, you come back off of a high of like helping people or doing all the things, it doesn't putting mean- Putting on fire, solving problems. On, yeah, solving yeah. problems, <laughs> yeah, being in action. Maybe it's just like pausing, recognizing that their day was different than my day, so there can't be an expectation that they're gonna feel the same. Mm -hmm. So recognizing that there is a different state and that they don't, they are not responsible for how I feel. Yeah. So I can just show up as who I am and hopefully help lift them from that. And then also then on the other side, same thing, not having this idea that I've been in this overwhelmed state that that person's going to come and rescue me, but instead I have to take responsibility for that state and know what are my joy things that I can do every single day to help support me to come out of that. Mm. I mean, it's so important to look at it from both sides, Yes. right? And, and we could flip the whole entire scenario in the sense that like maybe someone feels depressed going to work and the person mm -hmm. at home is like living living the dream mm -hmm. right but but to your point of like how do we reference that that some while i'm in this situation me personally i may be feeling a high um and my partner may not be there uh it's not about how do i get them to where i am it's like how do we just like sit with them it's maintain them. my integrity of still feeling that joyous vibration or whatever that is and still be able to sit with someone. And that's, that's for me, what that movie did was, um, I think joy and sadness were in this sort of like epic moment in the movie where um, joy finally got it. Mm -hmm. Like that sad was a superpower. Mm -hmm. Can you speak to that? Because that's, that's huge. Yeah, I think um, just like relating that to stress is often we are stuck in a state of stress because we're trying to do whatever we can to not be in pain, mm -hmm. to do whatever we can to keep ourselves busy because we want to stay distracted from the real things that are happening and or the emotions that we're feeling. So I think being able to sit with sadness, being able to sit with grief, because grief is happening all the time in all different layers and levels. And if we can sit with that, we can move through it and with it. But if we try to ignore it, and think that everything is supposed to be rainbows and butterflies, that puts a whole other realm of expectation on your day. Because mm -hmm. there are moments of sadness, there's moments of loneliness, there's moments of all of that, but as a culture we've been told 
that that's actually bad. What's mm -hmm. wrong with you if you're feeling depressed? And yes, there's clinical depression, absolutely. But it's okay to feel sad. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to feel those polarities to understand that without sadness, there wouldn't be happiness. Like we have to understand those two have a role together. Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, I can't help but think of like uh, the line, um, or so this quote is like, uh, this too shall pass. Right? I think that we crave the joy, we crave the, the highs, the excitement, and you know, we can linger in that state of needing joy, of needing to be happy, of, of, and it's, it's a really interesting you know, way of looking at things. Well, that, that'll pass too. Like, I think an overexpression of someone who's needing that joy is like constantly looking for the next thing, that th thrilling thing, or maybe even in a relationship, recognizing that that person's not there meeting you in this state of like high vibration. And so you're going to go look for someone else. And so that, that ecstatic escalation of joy can actually lead you down a real mm -hmm. uncomfortable road, which would take you back to grief. Mm -hmm. And maybe it does that. So you go into grief and go like, oh, this is the thing that was missing in my life. Yeah. Right. Hopefully I didn't take down no too i much think you touched tangent. on an important point because those are the ups and downs that relationships move through and we had this conversation over the weekend too it's like every relationship is going to have its high it's going to have its low it's going to have its medium mm -hmm. it's going to have all these things seasons, depending right? on the seasons and the stages but when you're wired or your desire is only to be at the level of the heightened high, mm -hmm. then when the lows show up, it feels like there's something wrong yeah. instead of knowing that that's just, it's transformation, it's temporary, it's all of that is part of what's going to help you grow. Mm -hmm. Instead, we're looking for that instant, instant moment of happiness. Yeah. And, and obviously in the social media world <clears throat> or like the instant gratification that <laughs> we saw this one comedy show, I don't want Amazon prime i want amazon before, before. yeah <laughs> like i wanted to show up in my house before i even thought about it like yeah. we want things to happen so quickly and so in this in this world of chronic you know expectation of things needing to be a certain way we can try to sit and push for that joy without having that the contrast there always needs to be a way to balance back so we can mm -hmm. find neutrality so because you have a capacity to really be able to sit in the the darkness you know, you, you have a capacity to see that, to, to appreciate it, to sit with someone in that very easily. Um, what's it been like for you to, to like also step into to joy? Like how do you find flow in, in mm -hmm. the seasons? I have to choose it every day. It's mm -hmm. not easy for me. Yeah. Like it's so much easier for me to be in the sadness. It's so much prefer watching a Bollywood movie and crying my eyes out. <laughs> which <laughs> and, we did last night. Which we bit. did last night a little bit. But I... So for me, it's an everyday, it has to be a choice. Like I have yeah. to work really hard at like seeing, oh yeah, that, no, that does bring joy. Oh, that is, I can feel that happiness and it's okay. Mm -hmm. That it's not going to be taken away in an instant. So I have to make a choice every day. And I think most people do, but we don't recognize that it's a choice. That we think it should just happen to us. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting, I mean, it's like the sort of the... The, the, the constant thing that we see clinically is that, oh, I want more energy. Mm -hmm. But we're not really willing to do anything to get more energy, right? And uh, definitely there can be some people who are just chronic fatigue and there's much more serious things going on. And there's also this reality that we're expecting things to show up without actually doing any of the work. Mm -hmm. um, and this is something I think that the reason like you and I are have this loving, you know, most of the time relationship that we're able to connect on this level because we've taught each other like these 
these contrasting points. And I also think mm -hmm. that's probably part of the draw. It's like, there's something dark and mysterious about you, <laughs> right? There's something maybe like bubbly and like that little... Very Care Bearish over there. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe like that, that was sort of a, you know, part of the attraction. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the beauty of dynamic. Uh, Jordan Peterson talks about, you gotta love to be able to spar with your partner. I mm -hmm. love that. It's like giving you... I can spar. You totally can spar. <laughs> And, it, and the nice thing about sparring is that it creates like conflict, which creates an opportunity to resolve something, you know. And and I think so often we look for what is perfection, versus like what is what is presence, what is this thing that's going on right here. Mm -hmm. We got into a bit of a disagreement over the weekend, and like the timing wasn't right. I had an expectation that we had to like solve this thing now, and you're like, dude, I'm maxed out. Like, get out of my face. <laughs> She didn't say that, but thinking it. you're thinking it, <laughs> but we had to like go and sit in our conflict and like sit and like, okay, how am I going to like talk to her? And like, how am I going to spar this one out with her? And it was so great because like we had this beautiful conversation afterwards where we got to really like hear some of the, like the history of our, of our stressors that brought us into this moment. Um, yeah. What do you, what do you think about? Some yeah, it just it changes the perception on stress. That stre all stress is not bad. Yeah. But it's how we're perceiving it, how we're anticipating it, how the physiology has been imprinted in that moment to react to it. So if we can start to change our lens about stress, knowing that it's something that actually needs to be there to exercise that resilient muscle, that resilience DHEA. Like if you even look at when we're actually exercising we're stressing the muscle so that it can grow and it's the same mm -hmm. thing in a relationship when there's levels of stress it's an opportunity for our relationship to grow so i think just changing that perception of stress is not bad but instead an opportunity it can change how our physiology is also reacting because then all of a sudden our hormones are like oh wait she's not She's not staying stuck in it for as long as she used to. Like, oh, mm -hmm. she's laughing now. What is happening? Mm -hmm. I can change my state. And it's your body then starts to recognize that it doesn't need to push cortisol out all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think so often in relationship, we look for permission to, to be how we want to be when the circumstances are right from the other person. So we're looking to the other person to go, okay, I can, I can now relax. Like, and this is... This is putting so much pressure on the other person to show up in the way that we need them to show up. Can you talk to that a little bit? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, because we, we going back to that feeling uncomfortable in our own self. Yeah. And when that's happening, we don't know what to do with the other's emotions or the, mm -hmm. the other person's state. And coming from that male brain perspective, you yeah. want to fix it. Whereas the female brain wants to explore it all and see mm -hmm. what's happening. So when there's different ways that individuals deal with conflict, that also, because of their own personal experiences, is going to feed that moment too. And so can we just separate ourselves from our partner's discomfort and just be there as a container? Or are we going to get wrapped up in their story too? Because we're so intertwined mm -hmm. with our lives. So it's very easy. So I think, again, it goes yeah. back to that pause of just discerning, wait, this isn't about me. Yeah. This is about them and what they're moving through. Yeah. And like, it's no wonder why it's so easy to get entrapped in, in your partner's emotional challenges and hormonal challenges, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Well, I also learned that cortisol, because we release it in our sweat, mm. when we're next to that other person, yeah. 
it actually goes into the air, the droplets, yeah. and then you receive it, yeah. and then your ph physically your cortisol goes up too. So this is how we feed off each other yeah. when we're stressed. So there is that real feeling like your partner might be going through a moment of stress and you're going to also mm -hmm. feel that stress too. But then you have to take that pause and discern like, wait, I wasn't feeling like this a second ago. Is this actually mine? It's the same thing when our kids are going through their moments too. If they're producing cortisol and their stress, their sweat is trying to release it, we're going to pick that up as well. No, interesting because it's mm -hmm. like it's happening vibrationally. We know this from like heart coherence, but it's yeah. also happening, you know, pheromones, mm -hmm. and that's happening like literally on these molecules that are actually interfacing with with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that so crazy? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're we're pretty incredible <laughs> beings, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> So going back to, to, to relationships, like understanding that the men and women, there's differences there, even in hormonal expression, like typically men should be running higher DHEA, but not always. Like some, like men and women have relatively, or potentially have relatively similar mm -hmm. DHEA levels. Men will have slightly higher. Um, but cortisol, again, relatively similar, similar between men and women. So it's interesting that we've got these stress adaptation hormones that, numbers wise are very similar yeah. and there must be a reason for that mm -hmm. you know yeah so it's how we utilize it and how it impacts our other sex hormones and yeah. how well we're able to dip into them and dip out is going to then impact the outcome yeah because yeah. you could see a level on a blood test and not know whether or not it's a man or a woman mm -hmm. but you'd look at testosterone say, and you'd know whether it's a man or a woman, mm -hmm. or you look at estrogen, you should know whether or not that's a man or a woman. So it's so interesting that, that we have, like, hormonally, we, we're expressed somewhat similar in our stress adaptation. And this is where life experience and, you know, um, how we were brought up, our personalities, so many different things are going to dictate that. Um, but ultimately, it's not about core numbers, it's just about this whole milieu and the different orchestra of all the different things that that come into a moment. So, um, and so I know we started talking about this conversation. We kind of went from like the brain and DHEA and the role of DHEA and stress resilience. We started talking about uh, Puss in Boots and some of the life lessons out of that perception. Um, we, then we dove into hormones. Talked about Inside Out. Inside Out. Well, we talked that too. last week. Was it last week? Oh, maybe it was this week. Oh my gosh, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, we talked about cartoons. Talked about a lot of cartoons. And uh, well, no, because we talked about it in, in our, our power perceiving oh, that's stress, right? right? That's right. So for whatever reason, my male brain picked that up, and <laughs> wow, and, and I, I'm tapping into some yeah. of that yeah. bigger picture. Anyways, um, wh what else do you think is important on this in this role of stress and DHEA and hormones and and connecting mm -hmm. to your partner? Yeah, I think just that that understanding of what's theirs doesn't necessarily mean that's what's ours and so mm -hmm. how can we step in for our partners in their moments of stress to help them kind of unlearn what they've already learned for so long and the imprints that they have so that moving forward there's a better understanding of what your partner needs like does your partner need space when something's happening does your partner need that hug if they're in that anxiety state or does your partner just need nourishment knowing that you're in their corner there to help support them and sometimes there's something that both are going through at the same time like maybe there's a loss in the family or maybe there's stress with children or whatever it might be but even in those moments each one is going to step into that experience with their own level of experience and their own set of hormones and their own set of perceptions so just knowing that what they might be going through isn't necessarily what I'm going through so giving each other just grace mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you think of it's like, not perfect all the time. Like we don't get it right all the time. Well, of course not. That's why we're talking. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so we're trying to figure don't it out. Don't put pressure on everyone. Yeah. But that's why I love the the metaphor of the sparring partner. Like the sparring partner is there to like take some blows. Yeah. Right. It's there to like maybe fake you out over here, distract you. You know, it's it's so interesting that that we could like really support one another in that. You know, like I think the way that you like to talk about it is like more like a dance. Like mm-hmm. you know, you're pushing one way, the partner's pulling back, and there's flow. Um, and there's so much variability, right? Like a problem today probably you know will show up again, and and I think it'll keep showing up until we like get into it a little bit. And so we, you know, you gotta, you gotta spar your partner. Mm-hmm. I think right? that's the biggest lesson here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the stress and, isn't all bad. Yeah. And, and the, the interesting thing too, there, I think maybe in the past, and I, you've taught me so much, like I said, I have been more like wanting to be that teacher of like wanting to like, no, this is how it is. And, and then I think that you probably played that role a little bit. Well, this is actually how it is. Like, you know, you. I've learned a lot from you in, in this, but I think it's important to like do a check with like, where am I coming from, really? Mm-hmm. Am I am I just trying to like prove my point? Am I, you know? And so I think something that you and I do well when we have that pause moment is like, actually, ultimately, I just want connection. Mm-hmm. And so, what does it take to get there? What point am I trying to prove? What am I defending that I am not even paying attention to? You know, what am I attacking you for that I'm not seeing within myself? Like, there's so many interesting dynamics in this dance and spar with a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think the overarching theme here or lesson from this conversation is that one, um, stress is there, it will always be there, but how we understand it, how we perceive it, how we respond to it is what's going to then shift our relationship with ourselves, with our partners and that we can have control over that. Mm-hmm. And stress isn't bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at some point along the way, we probably lost our ability to adapt to it. Mm-hmm. So how do we find ourselves back biochemically, lifestyle, connection? How do we support, like I said, like to say, pull as many levers as you can to, to support the whole. That's it. Love it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Health Ignited podcast. Be sure to download, subscribe, and share as we build this conscious community together. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, drsjensen.com. Please note all information on this podcast is not and should not be taken as medical advice. Please see a healthcare professional to receive the care needed. Thank you for sharing this time with us, igniting your health freedom. And welcome to the tribe.